his comedy at the Ice House. Like I've always been a big fan of Martin. Who doesn't know Martin, right? From Martin. Fluffy's. Martin. Orale. Exactly. <laughs> right. And uh, he was actually um, um, encouraged by this guy, this fellow, a mutual comedian called John Stites. He's uh, he's uh, one of the only white guys that bust comedy in Spanish. So mm. I've worked with John Stites before. John Stites wanted to, we still wants. He wants to, uh, well, he wants to contribute to the movement that's about to happen, that's about to blow up, oh, yeah. and that is stand-up comedy in Spanish. Spanish. That's right. So John Stites and I have worked for some very ghetto <laughs> stand-up comedy productions <laughs> and you know in, in San Bernardino I don't mean ghetto in a bad way I mean they're just very raw it's very new we're, we're pioneers if you will mm -hmm. and he actually convinced or encouraged Martin Moreno to try doing stand-up in in, uh, in, uh, in Spanish oh. which I gotta tell you man Martin he's got you know 20 years experience in the field of stand-up comedy and although he, he's a Spanish speaker by birth, mm -hmm. Spanish was his first language, you know, he was very intimidated by it. Uh huh, well, like we all are. Yeah, because if you do, like, you're, going, you're doing stand up in English, and how would you make that transition to Spanish? Because, like, wait, if you're Spanish, it's like, wait, that's not how you say that. Like, you got to go back and hear it. Exactly. Because right. if you have a lot of Spanish comedians, like, wait, wait, you said this wrong. You're supposed to be this. Uh -huh. So it's almost like you have to fat check yourself and be like, okay, wait, I got to stay over. Let me let me do it properly. It's, right. It's hard. Yes. And uh, luckily, luckily for myself and for him, I've been doing uh, comedy, stand-up comedy in Spanish longer than he has. Oh wow! How long you been doing it for? I've been do I've been doing a stand-up comedy in Spanish for about four years. Uh huh. I started it with uh, these two comedians. One called uh, one's called Richard Villa, and the other one's called Cisco. And oh, I Cisco. The Okay. Uh, no, I don't think it's Cisco. Not, not, not. Who are you thinking about? Okay, okay, okay. Cisco. Uh, he's he's actually known by he's Cisco always, Lucian. Okay, because the Cisco we know is he's always with Tanya, Tanya Estrada. Yeah, no, 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 no. That's you're uh, you're confusing the name. His name is Narciso. Narciso. And he's known as Cecil. Right. That's all right. That's all right. You know, Cecil, two okay. very funny. Talented individuals. As a matter of fact, Narciso just popped his cherry as well, making the making the transition into Spanish comedy. So I'm very proud of him. He went to the Ice House and he killed it. But that's Ciso. I actually started with another guy from Huntington Park named Cisco or Cisco Lucian. Mm -hmm. And uh, him and I started doing a, a Spanish comedy. Wow, about five years ago. So now when I met Martin, Martin was very interested. John Stites encouraged him, and he was very interested in, in not only doing it, but being successful at it. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were at a show at the Ice House in Pasadena, the historic Ice House in Pasadena, mm -hmm. and he approached me. Well, I approached him because I was a big fan of, you know, I'm a big fan of, <laughs> of Martin. Uh -huh. And I said, listen, Martin, man, let me help you out. You know, let me help you out and... Uh, <clears throat> Let me uh, kind of coach you. You did really well in Spanish comedy, but if you tweak this and you translate this a little better, more grammatical, correct over here, and uh, your comedy is going to improve in Spanish. And he was interested in bettering himself. He gave me an opportunity, and we became friends. You know, after that, we uh, 
we started the Nokia Sustas podcast. That's awesome. You know, so Hooter, I want to see you do Spanish now, Hooter. That's right, Hooter. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, bro. You gotta, Dude. you gotta follow Daddy's lead, <laughs> right? I like to see that. <laughs> no, but I, it's being a, uh, a native Spanish speaker because uh, ES, uh, I'm ESL English is my second language oh, as well okay. you know uh, the difference uh, one of the major differences that I find in doing comedy in Spanish is that it's uh, I used to think it was I, I thought it was gonna be very easy I thought well you know I already have a body of work in English if I want to do it in Spanish all I gotta do is translate the jokes and voila it's gonna work no it doesn't work that way. Mm-hmm. You gotta, you gotta train yourself to think in Spanish, so you can write in Spanish, so you can deliver. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I don't know, like I don't know. Well, to a lot of bilingual people, like you hear a song in English and then they translate it into Spanish, or you hear it in Spanish and they translate it into English. Yeah. And you hear the same song and you know both languages. You're like, yeah, you know, the songs are similar. But they're not the same because not everything is translatable. And when you're talking about stand-up comedy, well, things that are not translatable, it's first of all, the grammar is different. Yes. And the timing is different. Mm-hmm. The timing is different. In Mexican comedy or comedy in Spanish, it requires it's a different timing, it's a different pace, and it's a more of a physical manifestation in your comedy. Than the than the English, which is more of a a verbal, a verbal a verbal delivery. That's kind of man. It's like making the making the you know transition from English to Spanish with the words. It's like well, that's that's a little hard right there. It it is very it is very difficult. Huh? You have to completely submerge. You gotta submerge yourself in the Spanish language. So you can come up with these witty observations mm-hmm. and eventually make them funny enough so people will relate and actually find you funny and laugh at them. Hey, you know what? Uh, Mega Man, well, well, I didn't tell you this, but later on I'm going to be going to school, you know, back to JC to learn how to speak Spanish. Is that right? Oh, oh I have to because what we were talking earlier, my mom and dad, you know, my dad was... Lived, was born in uh, Guanajuato. They moved over here to Wilmington. Your my, dad was born in Guanajuato, Mexico. Yeah. They right. moved over here to Wilmington with my grandpa and grandma. They live, you know, my dad lives in Texas now, but my grandpa and grandma still lives in Wilmington. Uh-huh. Then my mom lives up in Modesto and all. But when when I told my mom when I was little, I was like, hey, how come you teach me how to speak Spanish? Well, you don't you don't need it. You live here in America. You don't need it. Right. But now I, I do need it. <laughs> yes, know? man. I need it because, because like, <laughs> I have a... My ex lady, uh, we have a we have a baby son, and all he does watch like Spanish cartoons. Like, hey, I gotta get him, I gotta get him started, you know, and everything. Right. It's like, man, I think I should be watching Spanish cartoons <laughs> to get right? him. <laughs> I gotta start doing it. If he's doing it, like, I'll, I'll do it too. Yeah. But I need, I need, I really want to learn how to speak Spanish because. You know, you get the whole stereotype. Oh, Megan Man's a coconut. He's brown on the outside, white in the middle. White on the inside. I, you know, That's I don't, funny. I don't want that. Man. I was like, I learned how to speak Spanish, man. Well, man, I mean, I mean, if there's one thing that's not going, one of the things I make jokes about it as well. You know, being Mexican, you know, because I I don't consider myself Chicano. Mm. You know, Chicano is somebody that was born in the United States from a Mexican ancestry. I wasn't born in the United States, man. I was born in Tijuana, Baja California, Mm -hmm. Mexico. I got here thanks to Reaganomics. Now, I don't have the stereotypical past 
or the experience of having to cross the border illegally yeah. in the middle of the night, yes. paying a coyote hundreds of dollars. Right across the river. Right? <laughs> Swim the river at one o'clock in the morning. We used to live in a diner, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we heard the story. I actually yeah. write, you know, you know those stereotypical stories? Oh, yeah. Or they write, uh, they write uh, if you're from uh, southern Mexico, they write La Bestia. You know what the Bestia is? No, what is that? The bestia obviously is called it's 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 called the beast. Uh-huh. The beast is a train that travels oh. from South America all oh. the way through Mexico, all the way not into the United States, but it stops at the United States border. I, I know what you talk about now. And because you travel, you jump, you you don't buy tickets to you, ride that. You jump on it. You jump on that train, and that train claims a lot of lives. A yeah. lot of people die trying to make the journey to the United States, or is what we call in Mexico or in TJ, al otro lado, which means to the other side. Is it because that train crossed different countries and there's gangs or this? Well, because the train doesn't stop. Oh. It doesn't stop, so you gotta jump to you gotta jump the train as it's moving, oh, and that is very dangerous. So a lot of lives are lost. So and because it's like a beast just devouring all these human lives as they're trying to climb onto it, traveling northbound to the United States. I did not so know that. yeah, so a the lot beast. of my friends, so a lot of my friends wow. and I, yeah, they call them the beast. Oh, now I know now. Yeah, so a lot of my friends get together, and like I feel like I have the most boring story, you know. Oh my god! Because <laughs> you know you but get to, you, got, <laughs> you get you get together with all your friends, uh-huh. and the qu- common question is, okay, so if you were born in the United States, they always want to know, well, then how'd you get here? <laughs> You know what I'm saying? And all my Salvadorian friends and South Mexican friends, they all have this amazing story how they got up at 2 o'clock in the morning, you know, and they left their little villages, their little towns, and they jumped on the beast, and they conquered the beast to make it all the way across, and then they swam the river in the middle of the night and crossed mountains and avoided the INS agents and all that shit, you know? I just basically, bro, I just... I, when they say, what's your citizenship, I just showed them my green card. <laughs> but how did you get the green card? <laughs> well, that's I got the green card because I was actually born and raised four blocks from the border. Okay. It was called Colonia, ironically speaking, it was called Colonia Libertad, which means liberty colony. Mm. So I was born and raised in La Colonia Libertad. And uh, when you are uh, when you are born and raised, when you live so close to the border... Whenever there's opportunities to get documentation to cross legally to the United States, you kind of get dibs on it if you have enough money. Mm-hmm. You know, you kind of have dibs on it because it's like you hear about it first. Mm-hmm. And uh, my dad at the time was already, my dad was already legal. He already had a green card and he was working. He was one of those people that was working in the United States and then going back to Mexico. Oh. You know, so he was making, earning dollars, but living in Mexico, like mm-hmm. a lot of people do. Yeah. And, uh, you know, at the age when I was in my, you know, in my what, 10, 11 or 12 years old, uh-huh. President Reagan got into office, Ooh. Reaganomics, you know, took over the country. And to make uh, 
reparations, not reparations, but to make uh, friendly ties with the Mexican, you know, uh, country. Yeah. Uh, they basically, for a little while, they opened up the borders, as they'd say, meaning they provided a lot of green cards for people that wanted to come across the United States. And we were one of the families that got the green cards, man. And they don't do that no more no, now. No, they don't do that shit no and more, you got man. Lucky. Uh, we got lucky, bro. We were we were we were at the right time at the right place. And uh, my dad, I mean, uh, yeah, it was it's, it's a very difficult thing because you also needed money. But yeah. my dad got it easy because he was already employed in the United States. Mm-hmm. So we, he, he built a lot of credibility. So we paid some fines, waited in line, but I crossed the border legally. So when my friends talk about being illegal in the United States, I really don't relate to that. I don't know what it is to cross the border in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. I crossed it, you know, whenever I wanted because I had my green card. I voted. I'm a Republican now. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. I got, I got my thing for Ronald Reagan, man. Exactly, man. <laughs> Right? Yeah, we became Republicans immediately after they gave us those green cards. Yes, sir. So after that, we, then that's where you moved to uh, San Diego. Yeah, ironically enough, you know, Mexicans don't really, when they move, even when they move, they don't move away from their families mm. or to, to, they don't put a lot of distance between them. Yes. So... Funny enough, I was born and raised five blocks south of the border. When we moved to America in the 80s, we moved actually five blocks north of the border. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Grandma! And that, right, right, in a town called San Isidro. Mm-hmm. You know, literally, bro, I mean, I make a joke out of it. In Rinaldo reality, I couldn't. But I make a joke like you said, hi, Grandma. That's right, man. I, I could actually, you know, in, in, my, in my mind, I could actually leave my house exit my house and just go out into the front yard and wave to my grandma on the other side of the border uh-huh. we live so close you know but uh, it was a brand new country and although you know San Isidro was full it was, it was it is the United States of America but it was also full of Mexicans and people believe that uh, you know just because you live amongst the Mexicans like the assimilation process takes a slower turn no man the assimilation process is pretty intense mm-hmm. you know How's, what uh, do you mean like the assimilation what do you mean just the adjustment you you will you come to a different country with new laws and new ways mm-hmm. new mentalities and you want to belong every contra- contrary to popular belief at least it's been my experience that when you come to a new country you want to adapt and belong as best as you can to these new ways of living mm. you know yes. uh, uh, that's what my parents taught me that mm-hmm. uh, not by example unfortunately Mm-hmm. Because my parents never really picked up the English language, never picked up these new ways of, of, of seeing uh, life. Mm-hmm. I did. You know, They wanted the best for you. They wanted the best for me. And the best for me at the time, they thought, was to come to the United States and assimilate as best as possible. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, I couldn't use their assistance. You know. So you start making up your own paradigms and ideologies as, as to what America expects from you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, man, just like when you come to America, at least we, we came here to work and be the best Americans we could be. Mm-hmm. 
And I took that mentality. I took it upon myself to learn English so I can be a good American. You know, and, and for me, it was a little tougher than my sister. I have a, a younger sister because my sister, she actually had a bilingual education. Yes. She was, you know, she was, she was slowly, slowly uh, submerging into the American culture. You know, took her time. You know, I didn't. When I came to America, my father, for whatever his reasons, he says, no, this fucker's going to have English-only classes. English-only. So I came to this country, and I, I, whether or not I was ready for, for the assimilation process, yeah. I actually just started taking English-only. English-only. And when you do that versus the bilingual education, it's a sink or swim kind of an approach. So you at a very early age, you decide whether I'm going to sink or swim, meaning I'm going to rebel against this form of education or I'm going to adapt to it. And I believe in the sink or swim mentality because, uh, listen, I, I come from parents that don't speak English. I was never going to forget the Spanish language. It's always going to be there. It's always going to be there. But, but like learning a second language is like, oh, this is like a bonus. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And you submerge, and not only do you, what I like about the the non bilingual approach to it is that you dive, you draw, you dive into the American mentality or the Anglo Saxon mentality, and not only do you learn the language, but you also learn the culture. Mm -hmm. After you learn the culture, you begin to appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Once you begin to appreciate, you start learning, you start learning about all the positiveness. And then after a while, you enter college, you start smoking a little weed, mm -hmm. some angry Mexican-American professors, and then you learn about the negatives of it. But I always feel like when a lot of people who come from Mexico and that they don't learn how to speak English, like, how do you learn how to speak English? I was watching TV. What was your show? 18. Right. Swat. Exactly. You know, uh, Cagney, Cagney and Lacey. Right. You know, TJ Hooker. Well, I, I got to tell you, um, I was blessed or I was very fortunate because even when I lived in TJ, you see the, the TV, the TV doesn't stop at the border. Yes. So when I got to Mexico, it wasn't like English was a total foreign language to me. Mm -hmm. When I lived in Tijuana, I watched Abbott and Costello. There was a kung fu theater. My, oh. my, yeah, my favorite cartoon was Popeye. Popeye. Ex okay. Exactly. <laughs> so even though I didn't speak English per se, it wasn't a total foreign language because I grew up watching these television shows. You know, it was a uh, Channel Six. It was XETV, mm -hmm. which eventually became Fox. Okay. But that's a channel I used to watch all the time. <laughs> you know exactly. You know, so you, I, my, my. Uh, it was inevitable for us to come to the United States mm -hmm. because, uh, well, because of the opportunities, first of all, mm -hmm. and I mean the language wasn't totally foreign. Mm -hmm. Making the adjustments from San Diego. Did you go to high school and college, and that's where you moved to LA? Yes. Well, you know, um, when I, I moved to San Ysidro, and for whatever reasons. For whatever reason, you know, I, I'm a, I was a young boy, interested in cartoons and skateboarding and bicycle riding and all of that. But I was the kind of boy that, you know, man, around 12, 11 years old, I discovered the biggest, the the the, <laughs> the biggest I sidetracked. I was the, I discovered women. 
I was gonna say pussy. <laughs> yes, exactly. I didn't want to be vulgar about it. No, we can say but whatever I, you want. Exactly. I I discovered. Well, at the time I was only ten or eleven, so I didn't discover pussy till later in, in high school. <laughs> but I discovered girls, and in San Ysidro, they had a they had a lot of Mexican women. They had some white women, and there was a lot of Filipino women. Really? Yes, in San Diego being a naval town. Huh. You know? Filipinos. Yes. San Diego has a lot of Filipino women. Ah. Because it's a naval town, Mm -hmm. you know, from the Navy, and a lot of, uh, you know, they... Probably came up from the Philippines. Exactly, you know. So the Filipino women, they speak Tagalog, and they speak English. They don't speak Spanish. I would kind of think they would do because it was Spanish was over there. Exactly. So I I decided, well, I'm not going to speak Tagalog anytime soon. So I decided, you know, you have to dominate the English language so you can learn how to talk to these Filipino girls. Mm, 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 uh-huh. Mm. Exactly. So I decided to dive into the Spanish language. And, uh, I mean, not a Spanish language, the English language, so you can learn how to pick up these Filipino women and, you know, hopefully get to first or second base with them. <laughs> no, I got Filipino women are freaks. Well, well, let me tell you that nothing makes you conform quicker than having interest in a woman that doesn't speak Spanish. Mm-hmm. You conform. You want their acceptance. You want to seduce them. You learn the language they speak. And <laughs> pow, man, you know, you become a master in no time. Got it. You were, you were right there at home, and you were like, wait, hold up, I'm in third base already? Right. Oh, I even know that, man. It's like, he knows, like, I don't want a home run. I like to earn it, but right. third base, right. okay, it is what it is. But I took that mentality all the way through middle school, all the way through high school, you know, and then in college, man, <laughs> I went to a, a place called Southwestern College, and then San Diego State University. Oh, wow, Aztec. I'm an Aztec, yeah, bro. I discovered white girls. White Girl. White girls. <laughs> I discovered Samantha, man. Oh, and I fell just in love with not only Samantha, but the whole American culture. Mm-hmm. That was the, the, the nail that... Oh, my God. You know. That's right. San Diego. And San Diego, where it was a beautiful thing. Not only that, but also in college, not not in, 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 in at, at the San Diego State, but at the community college that I went before, so I should tell you a little bit about the kind of grades I was getting. <laughs> right? <laughs> I figured, you know, man, I actually discovered theater. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. When I got to... When I got to uh, when I got to uh, the community college, all I wanted to do is I wanted to be a football player. Really? Yes. Okay. Because I played varsity in my Montgomery high school uh, high school team. What was your position? I was a wide receiver. What? Yeah, yeah. Don't be too impressed, though, man. Don't be too impressed what? because <laughs> I was I was, <laughs> I was the slowest guy. I was the smallest guy on the team. Rudy. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Except I didn't have his tenacity. So uh, I started realizing that playing college football was not going to be a reality for me. Mm-hmm. I peaked at high school because my hands were just too small. I wasn't heavy enough. I wasn't fast enough. Dude, they had called me Feats of Stone, Loiza, because I was of- so slow. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> Feats of Stone. Right? Of, Feats of Stone, Loiza, because I was very slow. So <laughs> I'm learning so many turrets. Beasts, right, Feats right. of Stones. <laughs> so I went to college with this dream of I was gonna go. I was gonna play college football, and obviously, it, reality, 
you know, quickly taught me that it's just not going to happen. So you better find yourself another way to, you know, uh, exist. Uh -huh. So I, I remember I was eating lunch at the student union one day, and I saw all these beautiful, beautiful, gorgeous white girls walking into this huge building in my community college. And I figured, well, where are they all going? So I grabbed my books after I had my lunch and I walked into that big building later to find out it was called the theater department. And in the theater department, the, 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 my instructors, my professor says, well, listen, man, so what's your dream? Well, I've dreamed of playing football. And he goes, well, you know what? The beautiful thing about the theater, you can always pretend to be a football player. What's this now? Open this pussy. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. No, it was it was very you show your manhood. Right. <laughs> and I said, you know what? Yes, yes, I love that. Not only can you pretend to be a football player like you always wanted to be, you can be a pilot, you can be a prince, you can be a king, you can be all these things. And I figured, wow, dude, what do I have to do? And they said, all you got to do is master the English language. So you can actually go up on stage and fuck this white pussy that you're after. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, well, how many? Right. Because I was like, oh, dude, what do I need to do? So I started. That's when I, I was just, I became a reader. I devoured books, not read them. I devoured them. I could not read enough books. And I started learning about American authors like Sam Shepard, Tennessee Williams, all these, all these plays and all these stories about these awesome um, alpha males that, uh, like uh, Tennessee Williams, Stella! <laughs> you might be a little young. Part Marlon Brando, which is a very famous actor. When you said the name Stella, that was like my ex-girlfriend right. back in the day when I was like eight years old. And I still have the love letters. It's like, oh, oh my God. dude, like Stella. Like, I, this is when I used, when I used to go to church, and she gave me these love letters. It's like, why does this thing smells like perfume? Right, right. I was eight or nine years old, but that name Stella was like, oh my God, dude. That was it was it was a pretty amazing experience. They just opened up my world. Uh huh. Well, all my friends were still in the barrio, you know, uh, mathematics or fixing fixing cars, which is which is there's nothing wrong. I just want to go on record and say <laughs> there's nothing wrong with fixing your carburetor, knowing how to fix your car. That just wasn't me. I was all about books. I was all about language, developing my abilities to speak to these white girls, and going up on stage. And reciting these, these this poetry, eventually I discovered Shakespeare. Ooh, that's right, Shakespeare. And Shakespeare, man, let me tell you, Shakespeare. If you do theater, even if you don't do theater, you have to learn Shakespeare because women cannot hear Shakespeare without handing you their panties when you do it correctly. Yes. So when I learned to say, along, well, we all know this: to be or not to be. That is, uh, that is Hamlet. We don't, we don't know what comes next, you know. But not only did I learn Hamlet, I learned Macbeth. I don't know if you're familiar with Macbeth, which is a, it's, it's an infamous, very famous story, which with with a very popular. Well, this is this is Ham, this is Macbeth. Is this a dagger which I see before me? The handle toward my hand. Come, let me clutch thee. 
I see thee not, yet I feel thee still. Women just drop their panties when you say that. <laughs> that dagger. And you're talking about murdering the king. Oh. Okay. Lady Macbeth pushes Macbeth to kill the king so he can become king. So it's a very dramatic play. It's a very passionate play. And, uh, well, when you start becoming leads, not that I was famous by any means at all because I was just in college, mm -hmm. the women just finally white women started turning their head towards me and goes, you know what? Yeah, maybe I'll fuck this guy. Yeah, they're probably like, there's a lot of women who are probably going to hear this episode. Man, is, is, this, guy, <laughs> is, this, is this guy a sexual? What's up? What's up? I get intrigued by knowledge. Right. Right. Not Dude, knowledge is a turn on. Oh, oh, like if there's a woman who's super intelligent, it's like, I'm like, yeah. what are kids? Exactly. Oh my God, I love knowledge. Knowledge is amazing. And, learning every day. Yes, sir. And the more languages you speak, the more knowledgeable that you are. <laughs> you know when you thought about that right now? I was thinking about that movie Groundhog Day where he's starting over. Right? Isn't that be, fucking girl. That is learning. amazing. Oh, you're from there? Oh, Shakespeare? Oh, you like this? You like that? So he can try to impress. Like, wow. Ex exactly. Oh, my God. Ex and theater teaches you everything. I'm telling you, even if you don't want to be an actor, you have to take theater classes. Because theater classes that just open you up to a whole new world, man. Books. Books open your mind. Books open your intelligence. We've traded our continent for a book. There is a very, and I forget his name because I'm so awful with names, but he's a South American poet that talks about colonialism mm -hmm. and the conquering, the raping of uh, Americans. Mm -hmm. He said, when the pilgrims or the Europeans showed up to our continent, they had a book, we had the land. They taught us to kneel down, close our eyes, and pray. When we opened our eyes, we had the book, and they had the land. <laughs> I don't want to close my eyes. <laughs> Your underwear just got wet, Ivan. <laughs> that's like that's like say like Stephen, close your eyes and wake up. And there's a big old cock in your face, <laughs> bro. That's basically what it was. And I and I hate to be this guy because I I like to respect every aspect of religion I or I try to. But yeah, we 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 traded our land for this big old cock in our face, the cock of Jesus Christ. We traded the belief of Jesus Christ for our land. Mm -hmm. You know, ideologies that belong in, 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 in Europe. Mm -hmm. But nonetheless, you can see how education can really uh, become part of you, can really manifest and help you, or it can really screw and fuck up whole civilization. That's what I think when you need it. Right? Oh yes, bro. He will. He will go on a rant on religion, man. I gotta tell you. Nah, I, I. To me, I'm more. I'm Christian, but I haven't been to church for years. You know. Right. And you know, you gotta have an open mind. You gotta respect all religions. There's some fanatical ones, but like, but what is good? I mean, everyone has their own because. If we didn't have a belief, like, what would happen? The, the whole world would go in chaos. We need to have, like, man, I hope that things will go good tomorrow. I hope I get this job. I hope I get this. But everyone has to pray, you know? Right. Well, <clears throat> I'm from this mentality, man. I don't care what you pray for. 
I don't care what religion you want to belong to, if it works for you, if it makes you a better person, if you help yourself and you help others that are less fortunate than you, and it makes you a well-functioning person in our society, mm -hmm. fuck it, dude, pray to anything. Yeah. Jesus, Allah, pray to the barrel, pray to, pray to the tree, it doesn't matter to pray me. Pray to the beer god. Yeah, as long as it makes you an intelligent person with some common sense, I'm all for it. Okay. I'm not gonna judge you for I'm not gonna judge you. I'm not gonna say no I pray I pray to the rocks, you pray to the trees, I'm right, you're wrong. Nah, I'm not gonna do that. Yeah. You know. You just gotta find like anything to get that love. Yeah, know, man. Anything that yeah. your heart. Exactly. Anything that, 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 that makes you love life, I'm all about that. It's when people start saying, Yeah, what I I'm wrong, I'm right, you're wrong, this is when we get into trouble. Very interesting. You know, this, this is, is where we get into trouble. What does it matter what you pray to? Alright, uh, we're back on. We took a little beer break. Uh, how many beers are you having right now? Because <laughs> you're having a whole... <laughs> ah. it's, it's that coconut, it's that, the, it's that coconut porter, huh? Yeah, they, they, they're not even like beer, real beers. What do they call them? Like, uh, like you're a hipster. <laughs> you're a hipster. <laughs> no, not, that, no, not hipster. No. You're at the age of the hipster. Hey, I'm what a carnivore. You... I'm not a vegan. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they're like, what do they call it? Uh, Microbrews, right? Microbrews, yeah. Yeah, that's a hipster beer, bro. I don't know. That's microbrews. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm having my, uh, my fourth or fifth microbrew. So yeah, did it. I'm, I'm feeling quite nice. Nice, that's good. Shouts to Trey Barks, Sterling and his wife. They make some very delicious beers. Uh, yes. Right now, I'm drinking like a hazy IPA. It's pretty good. But you're more of like, cause you're more of a whiskey drinker. Yes. You know everything. So you must more like new like like dark stuff. Well, there's nothing. Uh, listen, dude, I'm just a lot older than you are, and. I don't have that high metabolism that you do. Oh, dude, I'm fat as hell, so dude. When you That's drink, I put the jacket on to cover my gut. I don't want you to do my glove handles. <laughs> when you drink beer, you got to have high metabolism. Oh. So you can... I don't, so I drink whiskey, so I don't get it. What type of whiskey do you like? I like uh, I like Irish whiskey. Ooh. I'm a cheap guy. <laughs> like was like Jamerson's. Yes, I like Jamerson's or Jack J Daniels. Oh, ooh, okay. Jack Daniels, because it's the cheapest one. Jack Daniels and Cokes, you know, and all no, that. No, no Coke, bro. Let's not. Let's not. Oh no 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 no. no. Just oh. Jack Daniels on the rocks. Man, the last man, the last time I had a whisk, I was a wild turkey. Is that right? Oh. Wild turkey. Oh my god. Ugh. I drink two things. I drink. Uh, I like. I drink whiskey. But my obviously being Mexican and I hate being stereotyped, uh, dude. I love tequila. Okay. I love tequila. I tell you why, man. I've gotten older. You know, I'm in my 40s now. Uh, tequila is a stimulant, unlike whiskey. You never heard tequila, Dick, but you've heard about whiskey, Dick. <laughs> right? Oh, right. who does all? <laughs> Yeah, you know we don't want I that. We don't I can that. drink tequila and still lay on bed, bro. <laughs> I can't drink whiskey and do the same thing. There's such a thing as as I used to. Hey, when let me tell you, when I was in my early 30s, in my 20s, uh -huh. you can drink as much whiskey as you want, and there's no such thing as whiskey, dick. You know, but as you get older, you find out. Yet, yes, there is. Be like, wait, hold up. Let's have sex first, then we'll egg, drink. Exactly. Uh, and tequila, no, tequila is a stimulant. Uh huh. It actually stimulates you, and it's less of a problem when you drank tequila and you want to try have a try and have an intercourse. Uh -huh. it, I found it to be maybe it's just my mind, maybe it's just my my, my programming. <laughs> 
you know, but it's more of a stimulant than the whiskey. So. <laughs> Put me in there, coach. I can still do it. So, wait, but Waka doesn't want to come in. Oh, I don't know. He doesn't feel like played. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, I know. Well, whiskey dick, but that's a good turn because we don't want none of that. Exactly. So. I was going to tell you, we were talking earlier about the, the Spanish speaking is two different terms, huh? Like, they have one for Spain, you know, another one over here in South America, Mexico. It's just totally different. Yes. Spaniards, Spaniards don't speak Spanish. Spaniards speak what we call, what, 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 they, what the world call Castilian. Castilian. Castilian is our uh, version of Old English. Mm-hmm. Meaning, like, when, you know when you read the Bible? Yeah. The Bible is written in Old English. When you translate it into Spanish, it's written in Castilian. You don't read the Bible in Spanish. It's not written in Spanish. Man, who's gonna take for who's gonna write that right? shit? Right, exactly. It's <laughs> got the vows and and all that. Yeah, it's so it's written in Castilian. Uh-huh. Um, we that we've been conquered by these Bible thumping. Uh, you know, conquerors, if yes. you will, the colonizers uh-huh. or, or the Spaniards and the Italian, you know, they taught us uh, after years we've adapted, like especially Mexico. Mexico's, a, an, Mexico's an amazing country because they they created their own. Like, this is what I love about being Mexican and what I used to hate about it or be embarrassed about it. Yeah, have you noticed that Mexicans do not really assimilate well? Only a Mexican can be in the United States for 52 years and still not speak English. That is true. You know? That's true. What happens when a Mexican moves moves into your neighborhood? Dude, it's only a matter of time before there's a Mexican taco stand at the corner. Because we don't assimilate. We just incorporate. See, Mexicans incorporate the American culture. We don't really assimilate to it. Like George Lopez says, we're the only people that are born in the United States and still have accents. <laughs> yeah, you, you can know? you can still live here and you still have that accent for like thirty or forty years and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And uh, unlike other cultures, like uh, uh, other countries, El Salvador, you know, El Salvador, Panamanians, uh, Colombians, Chileans, they still speak and they still they still express themselves with the Castilian version of Spanish. Yes, with the vows and all that stuff. Yeah, so yeah, don't yeah. Spaniards, I mean, the Spaniards are, are unique in the way they speak Castilian. I just want to clarify that you know, Spanish Spaniards do not speak Spanish, they speak Castilians. Castilians. Uh, Salvadorians don't speak Spanish, they speak Castilian. Castilian. Colombian, Venezuelans, they speak Castilians. Castilian. Mexicans are about the only nation in what we know as Central America that speaks Spanish. Gotcha. Only Mexicans speak Spanish. Spanish. Everyone else speaks Castilian for the exception of Brazilians. They speak for whatever reason. They speak Portuguese. Yeah, what was up with that? (laughs) There's so many countries trying to conquer and say, hey, this is mine, Portugal. They just wanted to be different. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Portuguese is Portuguese. Like, what happened with that right Right. there? You know what? No, that makes sense. I didn't, but that's something I learned today. I learned. You know, Castilians, you know, and, and Spaniard and Spanish talk. It's exactly. totally different. It, it, it's and totally, the difference is not major. It's it's minor. It's to me, like, it's major because I never knew that. Gotcha. I mean, because they don't teach they don't teach that in school, in my eyes. But right. it, it's something where okay, I learn from it. I'll, I love that. I love 
like learning knowledge as much as I can. Of course. That's of awesome. Course. And so now we're getting to the, the cool stuff. I have so many questions. So Now that we've gone beyond all that intellect oh, and where you come the from knowledge. and all that. All yeah. right. <laughs> now let's get real yeah, in real. what we're talking about. How did you get the name Beachy Peter? Pinchy Peter. Well, I don't know. I, I I don't know if you know this, but my name is Pinchy Peter. Uh, it's P I N T H I. That is misspelled. <laughs> okay. Yeah, the correct spelling of Pinchy is P I N C H E. Pinchy. That's the correct spelling. With an E at the end. Uh, I chose to purposely misspell it to P-I-N-C-H-I for the sake of marketing purposes because if you Google Pinchy Peter, P-I-N-C-H-I Peter, I am the first five pages that come and bombard you. And I saw it. You showed me too. Exactly. I was like, it's all you. It's called accessibility. Uh -huh. So I misspell it for a reason. Uh -huh. To be honest with you, I'm going to share a little secret, but I hate, I hate the name Pinchy Peter. <laughs> Who gave you that? Because <laughs> you were a DJ back in the right. day. Right. I actually was a DJ for a, a web radio station called killradio.org. Okay. Killradio.org. Killradio. Oh, yeah. Right? So it was against radio. And uh, this is when I first started doing stand-up comedy. And I thought myself to be a Bill Hicks. Sam Kennison, anti the system. I'm gonna have a very interesting point of view that nobody's gonna be able to understand. I'm unmarketable, blah, 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 blah. And uh, I had a show. Every Monday night, I had a show, and it was called Two Drink Minimum with Peter Loiza. Uh -huh. And people can never understand, or people can never, uh, people can never, they never knew how to spell Loiza. It was a problematic name because no one knew how to look it up. Yeah. How do you spell Eliza? I can't do it. I can't find it. So the manager of the station came up to me and goes, bro, you got to change your last name. <laughs> you got to change it to something more adaptable, something more uh, easier to spell so people can find you and we can promote our station, killradio.org. And I said, no, I'm an artist. <laughs> I'm not gonna compromise my name. My name is Peter Loiza. And uh, uh, one weekend he showed up and he started changing everybody's names and he required uh, out of every DJ to come up with a nickname. And you know, the, the rhyming nicknames, like switching, I like, I don't know, I can't even rhyme right now. But you know, the rhyming names were very, very, very popular. You know, like, uh, I don't know, Larryscope Larry, whatever, you know. And I couldn't think of one. So I said, you know what, man? I can't think of a name. Why don't you come up with a name like that? And he came up. You know what, man? You're so problematic. Every time I ask you to do something, you're a pain in the ass. I, I ask you to change your format, you're a pain in the ass. I ask you not to curse so much on the air, you're a pain in the ass. I ask you not to talk about politics so much, you're a pain in the ass. <laughs> and the guy was Latino, he was Chicano, and he fucking said, you're such a pain in the ass, like, eres un pinche way. But pinche loosely translated means pain in the ass. <laughs> and, and when he says, eres un pinche, pinche, he goes, as a matter of fact, that's your name. 
Pinchy Peter. Pain in the ass Peter. Peter pain in the ass Peter. <laughs> now so everyone, now we know Exactly. The or name. PP. PP? Oh. Which translate that in itself to a whole another fucking <laughs> definition. <laughs> so you got so you got the name. So Peachy he Peter. he re he baptized me, if you will, to Pinchy Peter. And uh, for the sake of keeping my job, I went with it. I went with it. And uh, I continued doing my show. And I realized that whenever I would do public appearances, yes. whenever I do shows, and people would ask me, so what's your name? And I would say, Pinchy Peter. They would immediately recognize it, identify with it, and they would remember it. Pinchy Peter, Pinchy Peter, Pinchy Peter. After saying it three times, no one forgets Pinchy Peter. Man, where's Beetlejuice when you need him? Exactly. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> Say his name three times and snap your feet. Right. Being the Wizard of Oz, being Kansas before. <laughs> so, so for the sake of marketability, I kept it. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. kept it. And now... It's catchy. Yeah, it's catchy. And now, if you if, if you Google from any phone, iPhone, Samsung, uh, Android, doesn't matter. If you Google Pinchy, P-I-N-C-H-I... Peter or Pinchy Comedy, I am the first fucker that comes on. I bombard. <laughs> I own the first five pages. Hell yeah. And accessibility is the number one key factor of being employed. <laughs> like Felipe always says, I gotta promote, dog. Exactly. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, actually, the guy that I know that says dog, that's Jerry Garcia. <laughs> what the fuck, dog? Uh, Felipe Sparsa is fool. What's up, fool? Yeah, uh, yeah. You see? So, Joe, okay, yeah. They have their own little catchphrase. Oh, yeah. Or bro. That's like Willie Barsena. Bro. Uh, yes. Yes. Willie Barsena is bro. <laughs> What's yours? Jerry Garcia is what? dog. Oh, Felipe yeah. Sparsa is fool. What, what about BG Peter? What's yours? Right. <laughs> we gotta, you got to come up with one. we like, oh, that's BG Peter. Right, right. Exactly. We need uh, something like... Uh, What's Martin's like, bro? You know? Yes, he does it in a very. It's a dude. It's a. After being funny, as a comedian, uh, as a stand-up comedian, mm -hmm. you want to be funny first. Yes. You know, you want to make everybody laugh. Yes. Everybody wants to identify. You want everybody to identify with what you're saying. After that, you take it to another level. You want to be memorable. Kind of like George Lopez, bro. I'm not a big fan of what George Lopez is now, uh -huh. but I, I'm a big fan of what your, George Lopez used to be. Que loco? George Lopez changed our vernacular. You know what I'm saying? You know what I, you know what, you know what I mean when I say our vernacular? Mm -hmm. It's our dialogue. Our vernacular is our dialogue. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows this. Mas puto. That's George. No Nintendo. That's George. Remember? Member. Member? Yeah. Member? See, George with his comedy not only made us laugh, he forced us in such a clever way, artistic way, to change our vernacular, the way that we express ourselves. That is a badass motherfucker. And that's like with Rodrigo says, yeah, man. Like the Yeah Man podcast. Yeah, man. Exactly. Totally get it. Exactly. You Something that is so you. Catchy. That no one else can steal it, and if they steal it, they're going to be discovered. Like, you can't go up anywhere and say you might be a retnik if, without everybody thinking of. Oh, Jeff Foxworthy. Exactly. Gotcha. 
No one else can go up on stage and go, ow, 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 without being Sam Kennison. Sam Kennison. Yeah. See, those guys have taken funny to another level. They're not just funny, they became their own. That's just why they're iconic. Because <laughs> you, can't, you can't duplicate that shit. Gotta be original. You have to be original. And those catchphrases or those phrases, they, they become original, they become who you are, and they become how you remember. Gotcha. That, that makes sense. That, and that is the next step though. That's another step besides being funny. You know, you want to be memorable. People will always remember you for what you did. Mm-hmm. You, they might not remember your jokes exactly. You know, so I, I haven't exactly caught up. I have one. Which is a little controversial because a lot of comedians kind of use it. We use it differently. But so far, I remember from saying, Ay, calmate. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Which we all know what that's from, right? Yeah. My joke is when you're Mexican, you can't have any dreams or ambitions and share them with your family and expect <laughs> to be supported. <laughs> Right. That happens so many exactly. times. Okay. Because whenever I had my dreams and ambitions and I shared them with my family, instead of getting encouragement, I got the Ay, calmate. <laughs> you know, calmate, Bob Hope. <laughs> oh my God. No, it makes sense. A lot of this stuff makes sense when you get to the when you get deep into the comedy. You 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 got to make something more present. You got to make something more original, so everyone's gonna remember you for years. Like oh, exactly something that makes you stand out. Uh, yeah, you know that's what you got to do. It's 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 it's. So you have a lot of jobs. Mm-hmm. You know, you hit one platform, or you hit one goal. There's always another goal, and you hit that one. You, if you're lucky to hit that one, there's always another one, and there's always another one. And that's the secret of life, I think, man. Is just keep on moving. Keep on moving forward. You know, like uh, you, lo- you like reggae, right? Oh yeah, yeah we're in love. Ja, ja, you gotta keep on grooving. That's what it is, man. Where I can't be found. Ja, ja, they're coming after me. Nothing but subline, dude. Exactly, brother. Nothing but subline. The competition is coming after you. That's why you got to keep on moving. You got to keep on moving, or they they say they got to keep on grooving. Grooving, to me, just means, you know, you got to keep artistic. You gotta be artistic. You gotta come up with things that other people don't think about. Mm-hmm. You gotta become your own. Like you've been advised to be yourself. Yes. Yourself is special. Yourself is special. The thing is, is this: once you convince yourself that you are indeed special, then and only then can you come up with these amazing catchphrases. And of course, experience, and that means by doing it over and over and over and over and over and over again. Get better and better. Exactly. That's how you separate yourself from the pack, you know. And that itself is an accomplishment, man. Mm-hmm. You know, because you can separate yourself from the pack doesn't mean that you're better. No. It just means you put in more work. Yeah, that's what we were talking earlier. That's exactly. what I was doing. I was like, I'm telling you, I had one foot in, one foot out. I didn't want to do the podcast, but when I want to make it a full-time thing. 
and going through all these experience with all these guests and you might have some good ones or bad ones and you have like this what would you do in a situation and all uh-huh. it's just learning experience like okay i already know how to do boom transition boom 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 instead of like okay i gotta get all my information for my guests you should take me back three or four hours now it only takes me about like 10 or 20 minutes and stuff like that super easy exactly well now dude after the experience that you have of course it's super easy for you. Oh, yeah. Because now you have experience. Yeah. You know, but you got to put in the work. Yeah. It's not going to come out. It's not going to come. It's, it, dude, nothing comes easy. People think podcast is easy. It's not. It's fun. not, bro. They think like, oh, I can do it. Go ahead. Yes. And they always tell me, Mega Man, give me your easy version. Huh? What right. Do you, what do you mean what's the easy version? This is what I'm breaking everything down for you. You know, you know what cliff notes are? <laughs> do you know what cliff notes are? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Or uh, cliff just in case you don't know it's like somebody says this okay I want you to read uh, Macbeth yes or I want you to read Hamlet and instead of picking up that thick ass book in college Uh they have the cliff notes it's kind of like watching a movie versus the trailer ah in the cliff notes are the trailer I don't want that I don't want the trailer I want the book when you become when you get a little notoriety yeah when you get a little momentum in what you're doing like in your podcast everyone's gonna come and ask you hey bro now that you've done all the mistakes like can you tell me what the what the easiest way to go about it is what the easiest <laughs> and you're like no, no bro I'm gonna give you the book bro exactly here's the freaking book read the book no they say that oh I'm the easy way ah shortcuts right no but yeah, there is no shortcut there is no shortcut they think oh I'm gonna make money I'm gonna be a Joe Rogan good luck on that yeah exactly it took, it took them years to have that yes of course you know talking about pocket pussies talking having Charlie Murphy until having Elon Musk yes bro Just come on no dude and, and you have to understand I mean this guy's been doing podcasts Joe Rogan's been doing podcasts Shit. before podcasts were even popular yes before people knew what podcasts they were about not only did he start it because let me tell you I know a lot of people that started podcasts yeah when podcasts were unknown what I love about this guy is that he stuck with it Unlike a lot of my people that I know, they quit because they're like, ah, it's never going to take off. Yeah. No, this guy stuck with it, and now he's got millions of people following millions. him. Millions. So, because yeah. he had two foot in. Exactly. Not one foot out, be like, exactly. I don't know. It's so like, you got to believe, like, man, like, like I liked when you said, you know, you're not doing this for the money, which is, which is, which is, we're all doing it for the money. Yeah. But you know what? Doing it for the money doesn't bring about longevity. You got to do it because you love it. Yeah. Because love it. love it, loving it is the only way, like you said, man, like how many podcasts have you done before you hit that wall? Hit that wall, like meaning like it, it got to the point like I, don't, I, I got yeah, burned out. Yeah, I don't want to do it anymore. On, I think when I got to the 60s and 70s, I didn't want to do it. No, on See? my podcast, I didn't want to do it no more. Exactly. Because yeah, I was finding my, I was finding my way and finding who I really was. That's right. Just like somebody told me this. You know when you're running a marathon you, and, and you prepared for it and you're running and you got the first mile down and yeah. you got the second and the third and the fifth and the seventh. Dude, somewhere along the 18th mile or the 19th mile is when you hit the wall and say, bro, I don't know if I can do this. 
Like Forrest Gump, huh? I think I'm gonna go back home right? now. Exactly. Shit. See, and, and most people that is, not even most people, because most people quit beforehand. But in the 20, on the 18th, 19th mile, that's when most people quit because it becomes impossible. And if you're not running or doing it because of the love of it, that's when you too are going to quit. When you can't breathe anymore, when you can't feel that you can move forward anymore, when your body is aching and every step hurts, you're going to quit. Because your body... They don't have that mental toughness. Well, not only that, but your body, it works against you because your body is here to protect you. Once you start suffering, your body wants to shut down to make you comfortable. But it's the love of it that keeps you going. Like in comedy, man, I got to tell you, I'm a newbie in comedy. Mm -hmm. I've been doing this for almost 10 years. And in my mind, 10 years is a long time. That is a long time. But you know what? Not not when I'm comparing myself or not when I uh, couple up myself with Martin. He's been doing it for 20 years, man. So sometimes when I'm going, yeah, you know what, man? Maybe uh, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Some people like Martin can say, bro, you've only been doing it for 20 years. Stop being a fucking baby. You know what I'm saying? You just want to be loved. You're just a baby, Baby. dude. At 10 years, you haven't even discovered your voice. Mm. But there's a lot of obstacles. This shit is tough. You know? I understand why people just want to go to college and get a job and just become an architect. And not that that is any... I don't want to say that it's easier. But in a way, it's easier because you think that you have security in life with that. People always want to have a dream and then be like, looking back, oh, I should have done this. You, you don't want to be that shoulda, coulda, woulda. Follow your dreams. If it happens, if it turns out good, it turns out good. But you know what? If it doesn't turn out, hey, at least I tried and you can move on with your life. Well, Kind yes. of like that? No, no, yes, of course, of course. I, look, I believe that dying following your dreams is better than settling mm. for a career. Okay. You willing? This is uh, you willing to die for? It's a sacrifice that you gotta make. That's what happened with me. I sacrificed my podcast right. to not be with my ex lady and still do this full time. And exactly. people think like, Mega Man, you're an idiot for doing that. But you know what? I see a dream. I have to fulfill my dream. I have my goal. If I have to let go of someone because someone's holding me down, I have to let go of that hand and still move forward. Wow, that was pretty ballsy of you, bro. That's that's real. That's how it is. See? Because exactly. I already know my dream. I promised myself I'm not gonna quit. If I quit, they're gonna be like, "Ha! We knew Megan I was gonna quit." Right. But I'm not gonna let someone say, "Hey, either it's me or the podcast." Sorry, even though we have a kid, I gotta go with the podcast. That's bro. That's what it is. That's, Look, no one does that. Like, do you believe? Like, at one time, people believed that running a six-minute mile was impossible. Look, this is the power of, 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 of mentality. Let me just say this. Let's just go. Uh, running a four-minute mile uh-huh. was impossible, bro. It was an impossibility. Only one or two people could do it. And everybody believed that. And once, one, like three, four, five people conquer that, all of a sudden, within six months, 1,500 people were able to do that. Mm-hmm. 
See, you break that barrier. Yeah. Once you break that barrier, you'd be surprised how many other people go, oh yeah, I can do that. See, that's life. It takes that one person who's gonna break that and everyone's gonna follow. Exactly. And I, as I get older, unfortunately, we don't live forever. So I used to, I used to want to believe, hey, I'm the guy that's gonna do it. I'm the guy that's gonna do it. Now that I'm older, I'm more like a Tupac, Shakur. When he says, listen, dude, I'm not here to change the world. I'm here to inspire the guy or the person that's going to change the world. And we're going to remember that person who inspired exactly. us. Exactly. I remember when I had Pinchy Peter yeah, on. He inspired bro. me right. to do this. Right, to exactly. Yeah. And I remember Mega Man when you had me on your podcast <laughs> and you inspired me as well. Ah, to fully. Come on, <laughs> no, I get it. Calmate giving me props. But <laughs> uh, yes. That's good. No, that, that that that's how it is. You know, I just want to focus on the podcast and work on my weaknesses yes. and, and just because get better. Because you don't know what you're going to be able to accomplish unless you stick to it. Exactly. You don't know. And you might not even get to the goal that you saw you getting forth, but you know what, man? Someone else that follow you Someone else that believed in you and saw your resiliency, maybe they will accomplish what you thought you were going to accomplish. Which, you know what, in, in the bigger picture, it doesn't matter. Uh-huh. As, long as, as long as people, as long as your goal gets accomplished, what difference does it make who accomplishes it? I mean, I know in your life because you, you know you kind of certain you want the credit for it, but hey, bro, if we're gonna break barriers, doesn't matter who did it as long as the barrier is broken. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That's why I admire what you do because you're a hustler, hustler and everything. I think a lot of things change is when um, I had a uh, I was on the podcast with Chicano Shuffle and Ramon changed everything where. We all got to stick together and help each other out in the podcast bro, that's, game. Bro, that is one of the biggest... I, I joke about that. Sadly, because it still holds true. You know, you, you don't can't have any dreams and ambitions and expect your people, your Chicano Raza, to help you out because they're... Because they're it's the crabs biggest. in a bucket. If one bro, podcast is doing exactly. good, let's bring them down. You shouldn't be like that. Because we believe that... See, we believe in tokenism. Meaning... America chooses their token Chicano and that's the only one that can make it. See, that's, and, and, well, I'm sorry, but that is a very prevalent mentality. The, I believe differently. I believe if you're, if you were special, show me how to be special so I can be special too. Yes. And there's no really specialty about it, man. It's just hard work and sticking to it. Yeah. And there's room at the top for everybody exactly because we have different points of views anyway and you're learning you're learning something new that every right, fucking man. day I like I like surrounding myself with intelligent people because they fucking better me mm-hmm. they teach me they challenge me and I can only hope that I teach and I challenge my other fellow Latinos Mm-hmm. So I can make them better and strive for bigger things. So maybe as a whole we can move forward. Yeah. And as a whole we can accomplish these things. You know, like back in the day when uh, the Latino pop, uh, comedy was on fire. That, I mean, it's getting like that now. But also the Latino 
podcast is getting on fire now. We're like, we're in the baby stages of the podcast. Yeah. We're getting bigger and bigger. It's just, it's all about networking, spreading the love, you know, and all that, you know. Um, there's a pitcher who sometimes I always tag uh, you or Martine. There's a podcast you listen to some Latino podcasts. Check out this out, and it had your podcast logo on it, right. with also with some other uh, Latino podcasts and all that stuff. And every time I do, I always tell Martin, I'm gonna tag you because look at your logo is on it. You know, you're like probably the only Spanish podcast, and everyone else is all like, uh, like kind of bilingual or kind of like English too. You know, right? So it's, it's all about helping each other out. It is, man. And as soon as we realize this. That it's about helping each other out. Then finally we can start making some progress. Yes. It's not about you being accepted or me being accepted. It's about us. Us. Us being accepted. And we, the only way that we all going to be accepted is if we promote each other's achievements. Exactly. You know, that that is the truth. It's it, We have to break this, like the crab syndrome, man. If you make it, I can make it. So I got to tear you down so I can make it. And that is bullshit. That is proven to be bullshit. It's about time that we accept it as a reality and we combat it accordingly. And that is by promoting each other's man. The more doors you can go ahead and open up, then the more, then the better opportunities that I'm going to have and the future generations are going to have. Gotcha. We're all trying to be Jesus, and the problem is there was only one Jesus. Jesus. Exactamente. Exactamente, wey. No, sabes que? You're Jesus, you're Chewy, you're Jesus, dude. There's plenty of room for everybody. Because we're we're all we're, we're Latinos, we're Chicanos, and just because we're Chicanos and all Latinos, dude, we all have a different point of view. Yeah. We all have a different background that we can contribute to the freaking whole. That's what that's and, and and listen man, we we've been trying to change that for generations. <laughs> and it's a battle that unfortunately we still have to take in consideration. Is it, is it because we're so stubborn? We're so prideful? I'll tell you what, well, there's a lot of reasons. There's a lot of One reasons. One of the reasons that I think it is is because we're so, all right, we're not very specific. Meaning, when you say black, like, when you're black, you're black. It doesn't matter if you're black from Africa, or if you're black from Egypt, or, Cuba. or if you're black from Cuba, or if you're black from America, you're black. And that in itself unites you. You're black. When you say Latinos, bro, Latinos, you can be Puerto Rican, you can be Cuban, you can be Mexican, you can be Salvadorian. There's almost like there's no common ground. And that in itself can be used to divide ourselves, mm-hmm. you know. So this is why I like color, you know. Like blacks have been, I believe that blacks have been so successful because they've been labeled blacks. And when you're black, you're black. I believe we should label ourselves browns. When you're brown, you're brown, fucking brown. And there's nothing, doesn't matter. You're Dominican Republican. You're Except for Sammy Sosa. Right. <laughs> And Michael Jackson. Uh. Yeah. I don't know about that right there. You can't get a real job for that. Right. But as a skin tone, man, I mean, we have to find a common denominator. And basically, besides our skin tone, the common denominator is education. Gotcha. You know, and stop seeing each other as competition. Mm -hmm. 
and we're just uh, we're partners in this uh, in this we're partners in this journey. You help me, I'll help you. Gotcha. And the more educated that you are, you won't be able but to help me. And the more educated that I become, I won't be able but to help you as opposed to using our education to put each other down. Gotcha. We help each other, we will all uh, succeed. You know, and if we don't all succeed, we just gotta keep supporting each other so our future generations can succeed. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So uh, I know like had to do a little research on you. Uh, you, you were do you were doing acting, right? And I didn't know you were a stuntman. I did, man. I was. He I was. But back in my younger years, I was a stuntman for Universal Studios Hollywood. I was a I was a high faller. A high faller? Yeah, man. I used to <laughs> jump off of buildings every day. I used to <laughs> jump off of buildings every day, six times a day. Damn. Oh, because when the, they would come, okay, jump off. Okay, boom. Like yeah, well, it was a, a short Universal Studios called the Wild Wild West Stunt Show, and uh, another show that I was cast in. It was called Waterworld. Well, Waterworld still going on. I only been to Universal one time, and that's when they had the A Team. The the A Team? Oh, bro, that was a long time ago. <laughs> I only been there. One, I, that's it. The A Team doesn't exist anymore. Exactly. Now <laughs> it's now it's the Waterworld Show. Gotcha. And uh, yeah, I came here to be an actor. I came here. To, I was, you know, I was in Ashton, Oregon, doing Shakespeare and Macbeth, and To Be or Not to Be, and blah blah blah. And then someone saw me and says, "Hey, why don't you come to L.A. and uh, become all the bad guys in the movies? Because you got that look." And I said, "Phenomenal. Let me do that." And uh, I came to L.A. and unfortunately, because of what well, you can call it racism or discrimination, whatever. Uh, I went from to be or not to be, or is this a dagger which I see before me, which those were my lines before, to, uh, hey, you want to buy a bag of weed, eh? And I figured, <laughs> bro, that fucking, that sucks. So I went into a depression, man, because I, I couldn't be like uh, this lead that I wanted to be in movies. I tried to f- climb myself out of it by doing stunts for Universal Studios. Uh-huh. I became a high faller. You know, I did that for a little while, and then uh, about while doing stunts, I still had problems. I still was, was battling with depression, uh, self doubt, and somebody says, "You know what you should do, bro? If you got so many issues about the whole business, it seems like you got a lot of things to say. Why don't you just go up and say it? Speak about your problems." And I said, "Well, I just don't know any forums. I guess I can write a play about it. I can write a book about it." And that's gonna take a little, it's gonna take a long time. In the meantime, what do I do? And somebody says, you know what? Why don't you go to an open mic and just fucking talk about your inadequacies and insecurities huh. and your frustrations? That's an easy way to start. Yeah. Comedy. And it's instant gratification. And I said, you know what? Let me do that. So I went up there. I remember at the time it was a haha cafe. Oh, um, yeah. Not the, the old one or the no, old the old one. The okay, old gotcha. Gotcha. And I went up there and I, you know, I did the open mic. Jack Jr. Yeah, the, well, Jack Jr. wasn't even there at the time. It was his dad. That was running his dad and his mom. You know, yeah, yeah, which yeah. a lot of love for them because oh, yeah. you know they they they've shown me a lot of love by booking me now. And uh, I went up on the open mic and uh, I did the I did. Stupid jokes like everybody else does when they first got started. Uh-huh. But I got that instant gratification. I got that I said something, people laughed. 
I said something, people laughed. And then I said, oh my God, people laugh? Let me try some, some let, me, let, me, let me try some few truths. And uh, I started, I went from joke telling to storytelling and people continued laughing. And then I said, bro, this is what I wanna do. <laughs> I wanna go up on stage to a bunch of strangers, share my frustrations and have them laugh buy two drinks and pay money and I figured fuck yes yes that's what I'm about so I went from an actor to a stuntman to a stand-up comedian now you're doing it now and now I'm doing it now doors are opening up especially now that I'm doing it in Spanish as well that's a lot of money right there now bro no well not yet but it's 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 coming I can can see it's coming because it's 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 new Right, and it's like, whoa, wow! It's a, uh, it's pretty big. Exactly, you know. Because listen to a lot, a lot of people's podcasts, a lot of com- comedians' podcasts. Everyone's talking about, man, you better get into the Spanish game, man. It, it's still in the baby stages. It's I suggest you do because Spanish is not going anywhere. Oh no! Oh no! Spanish is not going anywhere. It is. I mean, I know it's a joke, but when they say you're from California, I'm like, what do you speak? English from California, bro? Do you speak the language? Spanish. Spanish was here before English, and it'll be here forever after English, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, it's good. Would you ever do like Spanish over there in, in TJ and all that stuff? Yeah, man, I've actually been lucky enough to perform in Tijuana. I've been to uh, Mexico City. Ooh. Yes, and I and I and I performed there. I went to Cabo San Lucas to perform at their comedy festival. Gotcha. So yeah, so I suggest anybody that lives in the in the southwest area of the United States of America, Spanish is not going to go anywhere. It's so close to Mexico. It's always going to be a part of our culture. So you either uh, you will, you either master it, you learn it, and you become a better person, or you don't learn it and you're going to be extinct in the future. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's true. And stuff because I, I so. think uh, I see sometimes in a way I see Bartin go to Baja with Tanya. I think they do some comedy out there. Yeah, they do. And, and, at Baja and stuff like that because mm-hmm. they, I think it's in a gated resort or something like that around. Yeah, there. in Rosarito. Yeah. In so Rosarito. I always see something like that, or they sometimes they might have podcasts over there. It's just like okay, it's always do it for like the the people who retire over there and stuff like that. Exactly. They do all that stuff. So yeah, that, that's that's awesome. You know, you're doing good and all that stuff like that. And the podcast and you're doing the Spanish, getting your name out there. It, it's good. And um, I want to <laughs> I want to tell you this. I mean, do you have any like funny comedy stories you want to tell me? Like anything like wow, that's out of the normal. Like you don't have to mention names. <laughs> no, 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 no. Did I did I actually did? I was uh, and believe it or not, it was the city of Long Beach. Oh wow. Yeah, man. And somebody hired me to do a. Uh, I did a. I was doing a show at the Ice House in Pasadena. And I was doing it in Spanish, and somebody came up to me and goes, Hey, bro, I love your comedy, I love your jokes, and I have this specific joke that it's got to do with Los Tigres del Norte. Oh, and, shit. Uh, exactly, and somebody hired me to do Los Tigres del Norte joke in a private party, and I showed up to a private party, and they actually had a, uh, they were fighting, there was a cock. Cock fighting? They were cock fighting. Awesome. In the, in the backyard in the city of Long Beach. All right. And I wish I could tell you that I showed up and I killed it, but I didn't because the people didn't want to hear the comedy. They wanted to see more cockfights. <laughs> but I showed up to his request. He paid me. 
And uh, like five, six minutes into my fucking show, uh, the, the, the guy that hired me requested, hey, bro, why don't you do the Tigres del Norte joke? And like half of the audience goes, yes, do los Tigres del Norte joke and get the fuck out of here. <laughs> oh, my Right? God. I know, dude. I know. It was, it was a little weird. And uh, I did my Tigres del Norte joke in a cockfighting ring. Where guts and blood was going oh, on, and uh, I got the fuck out of there. So that's the most important story there. I've been to had. some cockfightings back in the day, and they gave me pamphlets of the brochures of who's fighting this cock and this, and they're big too. Right. And this like this one's like twenty one and zero. This one's three and four. What's up, everyone? Mega Man here. Um, I just want to say I hope everyone enjoyed this episode I done with uh, my guest, uh, Peter Loriza, but we all know him as Pinchy Peter. Uh, I feel like this episode, we only scratched the surface, but um, he we only did it for a short time because he had to do a comedy show in downtown Long Beach. So later on down the road we're gonna schedule uh another uh episode we're probably gonna do a part two um man peter's peter lariza is a very very uh humble and funny guy and uh, if you want to follow him uh follow him on instagram at beachy peter also check out the pot spanish podcast he does with martin moreno from the yo 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 podcast called the noches Duces, uh podcast uh you can check that out i'll promote all that stuff uh and everything once this episode is out also um good things are coming on the mega man's podcast um i just want to say um i came to a conclusion um i'm if you if there's gonna be any events or or stuff or here uh please let me know because uh this whole year and probably half of next year i'm probably gonna be staying home i'm kind of laying low for uh for a while because I need to focus on the podcast a little bit more because I need to set up my YouTube channel and merch and this, whatever. I kind of want to lay low and I really, really um, want need to take care of all this stuff uh, from social media, the websites and all that stuff. So I know in a way I'm going to be doing other people's podcasts or here or whatsoever, but... I already, yesterday, I just already got finished my list of who I'm going to have on the Mega Man's podcast. That's going to be in the works. I cannot freaking wait. I'm so stoked. But, you know, like I said, I might be laying low this whole year and probably half of next year. You know, like I said, good things are coming on the Mega Man's podcast. I'm taking my podcast to the fucking next level. And, uh, you know, I just want to give us before I log off, I want to give a shout outs to No Father, No Problem. Uh, Deuce from Ellie's podcast, Chicano Shelfo, uh, Buddha Katura uh, podcast, Let Me Know Pod, uh, <coughs> um, Ask the Fellas, uh, Hippie Cholo, um, the Potterosas podcast. Uh, man, who am I missing? Who am I missing? <laughs> There's like, you know, my boy Julio Trejo over there from, uh, you know, everyone who's been uh, oh, flashback with the homies. Uh, just. I mean, to all the podcasters, man, who's uh, giving me support and I'm giving them support. And it's all nothing but love. And uh, because of uh, the episode I heard with uh, Buddha Katura, man, we us Latino podcasts or Chicano podcasts, we got to be there for each other and help each other out, you know. And, uh, you know, we're going to we're, we're making a fucking movement. And, uh, you know, it's uh, 
I'll do my best, you know, to try to do other people's podcasts to spread the love much as I can to, you know, if you hear about, if you like this Latino podcast, check out this one, check out this one. I'm going to do whatever I can to, uh, to help each other out, man. We got to do, man. Got to get to the next level. You know, you know, all those Chicano and Latino podcasts, man, we got to be there for each other. We got to take it to the next level. And, uh, you know, just like I said, take one, just take it one day at a time. And, uh, you know, I see a lot of podcasts are just, just people just making a whole bunch, whole bunch of podcasts, you know, and I just want to give a shout out to Matthew one, two, um, started the podcast because of me, you know, and now he's doing his, his thing, man. He's, he's, he's not talking about it. He's being about it. That's the same thing with Ernesto Grumzilla, you know, uh, the host for the, the, his podcast called flashback with the homies, you know, he's, everyone's doing their own thing. And I'm, I'm very proud of those two. And, uh, you know, I just, like I said, like, uh, hearing other people's podcasts and seeing, uh, how, how they want it to be and stuff. It's, I love, I love, I love it. And, uh, yeah, like I said, shouts to all the podcasters and, uh, that's about it. All right. Um, I love you guys. Be good. Stay safe out there from this coronavirus because I can't wait for this shit done because Mega Man needs a fucking haircut. I swear to God. People are going to be like, I need to go fucking party. I need to do this. I'm going to get fucked up and drink. I don't give a fuck about that. The first thing I'm going to do is go get a fucking haircut. <laughs> fuck, it's, I can't take it anymore. I mean, fucking not having a haircut for almost a month and I see all my fucking gray hairs. I have a whole bunch of gray hair like, uh-uh, this, this cannot be. So I'm so... Like I said, Mega Man needs a fucking haircut, man. All right. I love you guys. Be safe. Late.